Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 4, Episode 5, Divide and Conquer. Yes. Okay, so let's just get this out of the way. I hate this episode. This is like (laughs) the worst episode in Stargate SG-1 for like for me. I wish I could erase this episode from existence. It's terrible. I hate it. Okay, let's out of the way. Let's move on. There are many, like, there are many bothersome things that happen for multiple reasons. I I would be inclined to agree with you that it's just okay. bad, awful. Yeah, it's, yeah. Don't like it. The, like, doing yeah. the notes and, like, research and all this stuff, like, for this podcast was just, like, I don't <laughs> want to. Can we just hate skip it. it? I hate it. I don't like it. Can we just not? But, no, we have to because we will do everything. Yes, I will do my we must best to be impartial. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do my best to be impartial in the bits where I can be. When we get to the bits I can't, you will know. <laughs> so I'm guessing those bits will be like the whole thing. <laughs> there's I mean, it's it's really just one scene in particular that I'm just like, can't, can't, I can't. I don't I don't get it. I don't understand. Meh. But Yep. All right. Well, let's get to it. All right. Let's put us out of our misery and get through this. Um, okay. So this episode originally aired on July 28th, 2000. It was written by Tor Alexander Valenza and directed by Martin Wood. And in this episode, when an SGC soldier under the influence of a Gould mind control device attempts to assassinate a member of the Tok'ra High Council, SG-1 must uncover other potential assassins, even amongst themselves, before the president arrives for a crucial summit meeting. Um, Also, just a bit of a warning before we get into this, there will be mentions of suicide in here. So if that is a troublesome topic for you, please feel free to just skip this, move on to the next episode we have. Don't worry about it. I get it. It's fine. Um, So the other main, I don't know if we want to get into this now or save it for the end about what this episode did to the fandom. Oh, do you want to talk about an hour at the end when we get through it? I feel like we should talk about it at the end because then we okay. can talk about everything that, you know, led up to it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. We'll do that. Okay. So this episode, we actually open on Vorash in one of the Tokra meeting rooms and seated at the table are Martouf, Freya, Jack, Daniel, and two other SG soldiers, Major Graham and Captain Blasdale. They're trying to figure out when the Tok'ra can come to meet with the President of the United States to formalize the treaty between them. And one thing that's a little touchy for Earth is that this whole uh, summit alliance thing has to be kept secret from the general population. And there's only so many things the President can get out of attending and unfortunately appearing before Congress is not one of those things. Do you find it weird that at this point in time when they're meeting to, you know, come up with peaceful relations between other species and stuff on other planets, still America is like, yeah, let's let the president handle this versus we need to have a world club opinion union something to all discuss this, that it's still just like America's. Yeah, it bugs me. 
does, yeah. I mean, it probably has to do with the whole fact that this is like a military operation and classified stuff, et cetera, blah, 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 even though what is happening affects the world at large from, you know, possible extinction from alien spaceships in orbit. But yes, let's just let the United States itself handle it without anybody else knowing anything. You know relations because mm-hmm. we also know that we are really good at that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when we get when we get there it's really interesting when we let other countries know about what's going on yeah 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 it bugs me yeah 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 i agree yeah so the high counselor persis confirms that wednesday will be fine as he enters the meeting room with two of his bodyguards martuf stands and introduces everyone and we see in the background major graham activating something like and he's like holding a little device like in his hand definitely not an earth because it does a weird expandy thing that you know only alien technology does because that's what tv and movies have told us and so apparently it's a weapon of some kind because he raises his hand and takes aim at High Counselor Persis. Jack calls out, but it's too late. And the weapon blasts like completely through one of his bodyguards into Persis, who's basically hit square in the chest. Blasdale tries to get the weapon away from Graham, but Graham also shoots him. Jack sort of runs across the table and dives at Freya to get her down to the ground and out of the way before she gets shot. Jack calls out to Graham, who starts shaking and is like almost crying and pleading with someone to stop him. But unfortunately, nobody can do anything. And he presses some other button on this weapon and it explodes, taking him with it as everyone just ducks for cover. And we cut to the opening credits. I would also like to point out in the scene of my repeated <laughs> dislike of using Earth time. How do they know what Wednesday is? <laughs> I know. It's like, can't they say three days from about four days? Yeah, it's like, what? Yes. Wednesday means nothing to the Tok'ra. Like, seriously? <laughs> Who knows? Is Vorash even on, like, a seven-day? Yeah, it's it's a little... Yeah. I know they do it just for, like, viewer ease, but still, it's just, had, like, really... <laughs> I had to. How do they know what Wednesday is? I know, yes. Okay, so we come back from the opening credits, and so first of all, High Counselor Persis will be fine, so great. Okay, so what the hell just happened, Sam asks as she comes running into the room, and well, they know like what happened, but how slash why did it happen? So Freya brings up a theory she has about Major Graham being a Zaytark. He's like, uh, what now? I'm sorry. And so according to Freya, and only Freya, she believes that the Gould has started implanting covert mission directives into Tok'ra and now apparently SGC personnel in a, in an attempt to eliminate threats or disrupt alliances, etc. Basically some kind of brainwashing that's triggered by a specific event or word. And she has also documented cases where three Tok'ra have had severe personality changes that ended with suicide. So this is like a whole Manchurian candidate kind of scenario going on, which yeah. is really interesting. This is really the first thing that bothers me about this episode, though, is that it's such a big deal of, like, what? You have mind control going on? How is it? And all of a sudden, they're just like, oh, we think this is happening for a while. It's it's a thing, you know? Yeah. Like, well, yeah. I mean, but even Jack says, it's like, you knew this was a thing and you didn't tell us about it? Like, yes, yeah, totally yeah. with him. Because really, yeah. everybody yeah. should be scanned all the time. Yes. Um, so it seems likely that here on Vorash, Persis was the target and the trigger, and this particular episode was most likely most likely an attempt to sabotage the treaty summit, 
which means that the Gould know about the treaty summit. So anyone who has encountered any Gould in the last few months might be a Zaytark. By the way, you all might be spies. Bye. (laughs) Spies. Yeah. So the Chokra want to continue with the treaty. Jack doesn't because it's very likely that the president is also a target, given what just happened here. Martuf then adds that trying to detect Zaytark programming is basically impossible. But Freya's like, no, it's not. And Martuf is like, it hasn't worked before. And she's like, it worked that one time. And Jack's like, I'm sorry, do you have a Xanax detector or not? Because, you know, Jack can never get anything right and just, yeah. yeah. But I, I just, I don't know, that little back and forth between, like, Martouf and Freya's like, yes, you do, no, you don't, yes, you do, no, you don't. I just, I don't know. I always think when stuff like that happens is, like, fun because that's, like, how people talk. Yeah. I did like that part. So Sam, Jack, Daniel, Martouf, and Freya arrive back at the SGC with the Zaytark detector. Tilk and Hammond are there to greet them in the gate room. Hammond gives his condolences for the loss of Toker life, and Martouf returns uh, his condolences, well, the, with condolences from the Toker in general for the SGC men, including Major Graham, because they consider him as much of a victim as the others, which is all very nice. So, mm-hmm. uh, General Hammond confirms that all SG teams have been recalled, and Freya wants to start the testing with the rest of Major Graham's team. Everyone leaves the gate room, but Jack and Tilk kind of linger behind, with Jack commenting, they're at it again. So. Yes, the Tok'ra are up to their old shenanigans. Yes, very much uh, technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, General Hammond and Dr. Fraser are doing a good old walk and talk through the halls of the SGC, and Dr. Fraser has done an autopsy on Major Graham somehow, even though he exploded. I don't know. Um, and other than some residue from the explosion itself, everything else is normal. And his pre-Vorash exam was totally clean, too. So whatever technology the Gould are using to do this whole mind control thing is completely undetectable by current Earth standards. Oh, fantastic. Isn't that just wonderful news? Mm-hmm. Hammond asks if the Zaytark detector works. And she's like, it's alien technology. I don't, I don't know. I can't tell you that. And so, unfortunately, uh, the SGC is basically completely at the mercy of the Chokra on this. And Jack and Hammond are just absolutely thrilled at that bit of news. Mm -hmm. So the detector is set up in one of the labs with Freya at the helm and SG-1 and, like, Dr. Fraser up in the observation room. And first up is Lieutenant Astor from Graham's team. She's strapped into a chair and a Chokra memory recall device is attached to her temple. There's a beam slash laser kind of thing that gets beamed into her eye and then a readout starts uh, popping up on a display. And um, purposefully, this device is was apparently modeled after the Voight-Kampf machine from Blade Runner that is supposed to detect oh. if somebody is a replicant or not. So, Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's basically the same thing. So, And it was built for this purpose, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, no. We learn a little bit it wasn't quite, they've been, they've, they've adapted it for this, but it was built for a different purpose. Mm-hmm. We'll find out shortly. All righty then. So Freya asks Lieutenant Astor about her mission to P6Y325, and Astor says it started as a standard meet and greet with the Lazarian people of relatively primitive population. Uh, we jump up to the observation room and Jack asks if it's like a lie detector, and Martouf says it's more than that because it can 
detect a lie even if the person believes they're telling the truth. It basically goes into the person's subconscious and compares that to the person's conscious memory, like what they're actually recalling and talking about in the moment. And so here we learn the Toker originally created the device to validate information they received from a captured ghoul during torture, basically. Mm-hmm. So the Toker recall device is there because they've modified it to help decipher if the memory being recalled is real or false, which is sort of what Freya's whole theory hinges on about using this detector because she believes the Gould use a false memory to cover up the mission programming. Like the time it took for the Gould to implant the mission has to be covered with something else. So it's picking up what your brain experienced versus what you're saying? Yeah. Somehow. I don't know enough about how memory works. To and I wasn't sure how to even research this, like subconscious memory versus conscious memory. Um, but apparently, the the real event gets shoved deep enough in the brain and then covered up with something that when you think about the event, you just think about that surface memory that the Gould implanted in your brain. Which I mean. I don't think this is like even a reliable idea at all because every time you recall a memory, you slightly change it anyway. So it's always different. And, you know, hundreds of thousands of things have been all about how like witness testimony and stuff is unreliable because people remember things weird. Like I don't, this whole, the whole idea of this thing of like, Oh, what you're actually saying is comparing to your brain and no, because you never remember stuff correctly or same or like, no. (laughs) Yes. As, as we will see shortly in this episode. No. No. Um, the other thing is that unfortunately they cannot know what the mission is that the person was implanted with only, with only if the person is a Zaytark or not. Mm. So. Mm. so something that starts to happen with Aster in the lab and she was saying something about being lost, but the machine kind of started picking up on something. So Freya asks her to repeat what she said, being as specific as possible about what happened. About like what happened when and even her feelings about it and she seems to be a bit confused about exactly what happened and says in the evening glider started attacking the clearing around the gate was filled with Jaffa and we see flashbacks inserted here as Aster talks about like what happened how they were running through the forest trying to get back to the gate but they were surrounded they were Jaffa everywhere SG-15 who's the other team that was with them were under fire and one Jaffa um, we see coming through the woods, like straight at her and she shoots him. And fun fact, some of the flashbacks shown here are actually reused footage from into the fire, the season three premiere. Oh, that's funny. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Freya asks her to confirm that she's sure she shot the Jaffa and Lieutenant is there like, yes, absolutely. 100%. I totally shot the Jaffa. Unfortunately, the truth is that no, she did not. And so Lieutenant Aster is determined to be a Zaytark. No. Didn't they also mention in that story somewhere that like six other SG teams didn't come back? Yeah, that comes up in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So now we know (laughs) just how many SG teams So so this is... Yeah, so this is this episode is actually the first mention of SG-15 
there was, I think, um, back in season three, we had SG-14. And there's an episode where Hammond mentioned making a request for three additional SG teams. So it seems like that request did get approved because we have SG-15 here. So I think we can infer we then also have SG-16 and 17 as well. So, okay. So Lieutenant Astor's is ATARC. And there is a procedure that may be able to deprogram Aster, but it's never been tried before. And, oh, so we jump up to uh, Hammond's office where uh, Jack, Freya, and Martouf are. And so there is this thing that might be able to sort of deprogram Aster, but it does that by causing actual physical brain damage in the part of the brain where the programming is. So it's possible that more than just that false memory would be affected. And Jack is skeptical about this, as he is about everything. Uh, but Freya assures him that she wouldn't suggest this if there was a better way. And Hammond's like, how, how am I supposed to make this decision? This is a horrible thing. And Freya reminds Hammond that Esther's life is also at stake with the whole like self-destructive behavior thing. And he's like, well, I guess let's ask her what she wants to do. So... We're going to let Lieutenant Esther make the final call. Yep. And so she's going to go for it. She's, you know, terrified. But what other option is there? She then sort of keeps insisting that her memory of the events is true. Even as Freya adds that six other SG team members died. But her whole team made it back through the gate completely unscathed. Which is, you know, a little sus. Um, but anyway, so it's time to get started. And there's this sort of light thing that kind of like jitters around Esther's head like it's scanning her like whole head and she starts yelling about how much it hurts and to stop and eventually Martouf yells down from the observation room to stop so Freya turns the machine off but it's too late something in the programming has like kicked in Esther breaks out of the chair knocks out the guards grabs one of their guns fires at the observation window uh Jack comes in tries to get her to stop but unfortunately he is not successful and very sadly she turns the gun on herself so what do you think would have happened if they would have kept going I don't know I don't know I think I think this probably would have happened given what we learn a bit later about how the Zaytark programming uh, seemingly works because it's, it's all conjecture and speculation really there's no real concrete evidence about anything related to Zaytarks, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, probably not too dissimilar from what ended up happening. Do we continue to, to hear about Zaytarks in the future, or is this one of the plot lines where like <laughs> it comes up and we never hear about it again? It kind of, I think like in general, it kind of gets brought up every now and then, but not in any kind of like, major story arc really because i would think i don't know just the fact yeah. like this particular thing happening of like ooh, there are hidden spies that don't even know they're spies that just like trigger at any time would yeah. be like the biggest red alert in the sgc like ever and they yeah. would be like we want four of those machines we want rotating scanning people after they come back at every time like you're like i don't know this and, and just the fact that it's like, oh, this is happening. And then, oh, no, it's fine. Like, I don't, it just, I, it seems so weird to me. Yeah. Um, it comes up again in a season six episode. Oh, yeah. So, wow. Like no more at all. Yeah. 
I wonder if they just it got it they it was too complicated for them. <laughs> and they're just like yeah. because of all these questions we're having about it too, possibly. I yeah. don't know, but um yeah, it, like it's sort of one of those things that gets referenced every now and then, but not in any kind of real serious way. Of like, oh, this person was a Zatar. Yeah. yeah. So. Lame. Yeah. This is a big reason why I don't like this episode. Because it makes okay. no freaking sense. No. I mean, I do like the idea behind it, but I don't think it was really fleshed out enough no. in this episode. Maybe this had been like a two-parter or something where we could have something, you know, we could have had some sort of lead up to, hey, yeah. there's this brainwashing thing happening. And now here's like the resolution of that. I think it was maybe just too complicated to try with all of the other stuff that happens in this episode, just maybe too much to really be able to flesh out enough in one single episode. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, I I just think introducing this whole idea is just, they bit off way more than they could chew yeah. in, in the world of sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Freya and Jack are back up in Hammond's office. Luckily, the guards from the lab will be fine, even though they were fairly severely injured from their gun shot wounds and so it seems that part of the Gould programming includes a fail safe if something should prevent the mission from being completed as we saw here where they tried to get rid of the programming and Freya Freya is also a little disappointed that they can't examine Lieutenant Astor's brain to try and you know get more information about how the programming actually affects the brain but still, you know, there'll be no treaty summit if they can't figure this out. And Freya's like, you know, we can continue testing and, you know, sort of figure out where to go from there. And Hammond's like, great, continue on with the testing. So who's up next? Hey, it's SG-1. Surprise. So Jack is in the chair and it seems to be sort of like mid-interrogation. Uh, and Freya then asks Jack about the mission. They went on to destroy Apophis's new ship in Upgrades. So we flashed then like between Jack, Daniel, Sam and Tilk all talking about that mission. And this is something they've done a few times in the show. And I like it when shows do this because like there's this group of people and you have to ask all of them the same question, but you don't want to show them being all asked the same question. So you like you start on, you know, here's a question that person answers. Here's a question. Oh, now we're on to the next person and stuff. And just like I like the editing of the scene that works. It works good for me when they do this I like kind of thing. Too. Yeah, yeah, I like it too. Yeah. So during this interrogation, you know, Tilk reveals there's a point where he was alone on the ship after he first went through the gate before he actually caught up with SG-1. But there's no thing from the machine sort of indicating he was a Zatark. And then we actually see the bit that was sort of referenced in upgrades where Daniel actually ran off to get the Naquita from those Jaffa. Machine still totally fine. No Zatark there. And then we get to the recall of when Jack and Sam were off on their own and their armbands fell off and they were separated by that shield and what happened there, how Sam ordered Jack to just go and leave her, the C4 going off and luckily bringing down the shields. And Freya asks Sam if that's everything. And then she's like, oh, yeah, I tried to go back for the Naquita, but Jack told me to just leave it. And, well, it looks like Jack and Sam are Zatarks. No! Do you remember, like, to the first time you saw that, I don't know if you remember, like, did you think Jack and Sam were Zatarks, or did you always think that there was, like, something else going on? 
Um, I figured it was something else going on because I felt like if they did, well, I mean, that means they would have had to, they would have had to plan the filming of the other one to actually like leave hints that something weird happened. But, um, no, I, I figured it was something else. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we get a quick cut to Hammond in his office on the phone with the president advising him that new plans are being made for his arrival due to this whole Zaytark thing. So, uh, By the way, president, there might be secret spies that want to kill you that have no idea that they're spies until they see your face and then they try to kill you. But we're fine. We're just going to change all of the plans we've made because these people know those plans. So we need to change the plans so they don't know those plans anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Too much. Um. So Jack then goes to visit Sam, who's like locked away in like a VIP room. And she's like, you have to have Hammond retest me. This is wrong. And Jack's like, well, I mean, he would have to retest us because, hey, guess what? I'm a Zaytark too. Yay. And, you know, they're like, this has to be a mistake, right? And But Sam's like, I mean, we were both unconscious at the same time. So, you know, the opportunity was there. So maybe, like, she doesn't want to think about it, but maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tilk, Daniel, Fraser, Martu, Freya, and Hammond are all up in the briefing room talking about this whole situation, and Tilk is sure that Jack and Sam are not Zaytarks, and it seems like Daniel thinks the same, but unfortunately there's no way to prove that. So basically Jack and Sam are going to remain confined until they can figure out what to do, how to fix it, or something. Uh, one piece of good news, though, is that there are no other Zaytarks detected amongst the SG personnel or the Tokra who are coming to Earth, so the summit is all on. Little did we know. Yeah, that's mm. the other thing. Mm. Yeah. So Freya goes to visit Jack, and did you, okay, did you notice in this episode that it's always Freya, a niece never comes out? It's always just I the human host. I did notice that. She's never yeah. in there anywhere. Nope. Probably because of the storyline they have with Jack. As, yeah. <laughs> We're getting into that right now. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So Freya goes to visit Jack and first she apologizes because this whole thing is kind of her fault, like her, him possibly being a Zaytark, though perhaps a little more Anise's because, you know, the armbands and the mission is why he might be a Zaytark. And Jack's like, maybe you're wrong about us being Zaytarks. And she's like, no, no, that's not possible. But she also then thanks Jack for saving her life on Vorash. And then again, during the incident with Lieutenant Astor. And then she kisses him. What? And like, his like, so he's got his like feet propped up on the disc and they just like thud to the floor. <laughs> yeah. His brain was probably like, yes, but no, but yes, but no. No. Yeah. And, yeah, so he's kind of like, well, I, hold, hold up, wait, I just, mm, what, what is happening? Why, why are you doing this? And Freya's like, you know, in my culture, this is totally fine. We just, if we want it, we just go for it, which, I mean, more power to you, girl, but also read the room. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we also learn here that Anise is more attracted to Daniel, but Freya's like, she can deal with it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah and then like she kisses him again and yeah jack's 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 just not on board like especially with everything that's yeah. going on just this not the right time for this freya not it and, was really odd timing i'm not even really sure why she would be like yes yeah, sexy time now why not he's no. alone in a room with a bed i don't know 
don't know. And she, you know, she even asked, you know, are, do you have intentions? What is, I forget what she says exactly, but like, she basically asks if there's like somebody else he's romantically interested in. And he's like, that's not important. And like brushes her off with that. And he doesn't say no. Doesn't say no. And so she's like, I think I need to apologize again. And Jack's just like, it's fine. And like shows her to the door. And he's like, ah, it was awkward, 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 awkward. And the side eye that he gives like the guard at the door. (laughs) (laughs) Also, what, what is Freya wearing? Yeah, the whole time she wears that the outfit the whole episode, and just yeah. I was trying to think like, is that just like millennial, you know, like early ninety or late nineties, early two thousand, like fashion that we just look back on and we're like, ah, no. Yeah, well, well I have some information about that too at the end of the episode. Oh, okay. I get there. I mean, mm-hmm. not not like the outfit, but just sort of Freya in general. Um, okay. We can get into that. Um, Okay. Well, so, I mean, I do, I do remember for the, like outfit stuff, like back around 2000. Do you remember how like the fashion for everything was like shiny silver, like yeah, space, like yeah, like all over the place? And that's when like the clear backpacks were out, yeah. and it was for fashion, not because you had to wear them to school or anything like that. Like it was yeah. all like clear stuff and shiny silver everywhere and glitter and oh my god and like low-rise pants and crop tops and just midriffs everywhere and yeah 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 so i don't i don't miss that fashion and i'm sad to see it coming back i don't i don't need it all cyclical i know but i don't like it does need to come back i am too tall for low-rise pants and crop tops okay yeah, that'll pretty much make you look me. like you're wearing nothing. It, like, crop tops are just bras on me. Like, yeah. they're just not even, can't, no. It's like, crop tops, like, come up to the top of your pants. No, they stop, like, three inches above my belly button. That just does not work for me at yeah. all. No yeah. thanks. No. Um, okay, so up in the briefing room, Danielle and Hammond are there with Martouf sort of working on finalizing, like, the language in the treaty. And Freya then comes in and is concerned that it might be just as dangerous to keep Jack and Sam confined, given the evidence that Zaytarks have in the past become self-destructive if unable to complete the mission objective. And it's like, well, then what are we supposed to do now? So Martouf goes to talk to Sam with this news and they kind of talk through the options and possible results and Freya basically wants to try the deprogramming again since she believes it went wrong with Lieutenant Astor because they stopped it too soon and didn't let the process complete and Sam's like I could you know brain damage that's not great option for me like no thanks No. And, you know, Martouf also adds, you know, he doesn't want to lose, like, not only the part of Jolinar that's alive in Sam, but also Sam herself, which is kind of like, oh, I know. That was a really nice thing to say. Like, I've grown uh, fond of you, too. Like, stop it. And if you notice, he called he called her Sam, not Samantha, which he, yes. like, usually had up to this point, like, called her Samantha. Yeah. But I think finally felt comfortable enough to call her just Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So, or, you know, they don't even know if the summit is the goal of her programming. So everything could be fine. We, there's so many unanswerable questions with this whole Zayt thing that's going on. Uh, Daniel is then having the same talk with Jack 
which goes a little bit differently between those two guys. And uh, Jack mentions the bit about Freya hitting a Han him. And Daniel's like, that's odd timing. Yes. And if that's not enough, the symbiote likes Daniel. And he's like, that's what? Okay. And then he's kind of like <laughs> stare at each other and like Jack's fiddling around with a yo-yo. And Daniel's like, yeah, this is the kind of Jack stuff I'm going to miss. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, I love yeah. you guys. They're just, they're so just like best friend ridiculous. I love it. It's great. Yes. They were um, the great scene. So everyone's back in the briefing room with Jack and Sam having turned down the whole deprogramming attempt and Freya gets it. They don't trust her. But no, it's not about not trusting her. It's more about the possibility of brain damage that they don't want to have to deal with. And so the plan now to make sure that nothing happens during the summit to anyone else or to Jack and Sam themselves is to sedate and restrain them for the duration of the summit while like the president and the Tok'ra are all there. Which will be in two days, I think Sam says. Two days till the summit, so. Yeah. It's an okay. interesting option, and it's not really a bad idea. No. But again, there's a whole thing. If they are Zaytarks and the programming can't complete its program, what's going to happen? But if they're in a coma, so, will it even know? Right. Or, I was just, I, maybe, like I was going to say, like, why don't you just kind of tell them, like, they're locked in a room for how long just like sedate them for like a little bit and then be like you've been out for a week everything happened you know oh yeah <laughs> fake it yeah yeah and that just see, been an like, interesting option. sedate them for an hour tell them that the summit happened and then see what their reaction is then you that don't actually have to sedate them during the real summit <laughs> you don't have to put them in a coma for a week yes mm. interesting yes yeah? mm. yes i should work for the sgc Yep. So apparently the two days are up and they've come to put Jack under. We have Fraser, Daniel, Tilk, and Freya all there. And, you know, Jack has basically already done the whole drugged out, strapped to the bed thing, which, what does that mean? When did that happen to Jack? Please give me that story. I would I like know. to know. Yes. But like, was, was this part of, like, torture when he was, like, a POW? Like... What, or does it have to do with the whole addiction withdrawal thing that we learned about in Need? What was that about? Please give me like Jack O'Neill backstory. I would like it all, please. Mm-hmm. So he decides he's going to volunteer to go through with the deprogramming treatment, like the full treatment. And if he ends up dying from it, so be it, because then at least Freya can study Jack's brain and save Sam's. Can she, though? Like, that's noble and everything, but there's no guarantee <laughs> that she would be able to get the answers that she needs. No. I mean, yeah, that's a very good point. That's the other thing. Is like, even if you study Jack's brain, what if it doesn't tell you anything? Right. And be like, oh, well, sorry. Yeah. Oopsie. Yep. So they're now in Sam's room, and Sam has been told what Jack's doing, and she does not like this. At all. She tries to get them to stop him, but like, no, his mind's made up. And Sam sees him being escorted down the hall and calls out to try to get him to stop. But Jack just looks back with a look, capital A, capital L. And so now it's time to sedate Sam. Mm. And then we cut to the gate room where Daniel enters to tell Hammond and Martouf that the two plans are proceeding, like Jack being retested and or Jack undergoing the treatment and Sam being sedated. And the gate opens, and here comes the Tok'ra High Council, and there's, like, a red carpet on the gate ramp, and everything in, like, bunting everywhere, and there's, like, a buffet, so, like, 
it got they got the gate room all so fancy for this. They went fancy in that room. Yes. So we then kind of cut between all three things happening, like Sam being sedated, Jack getting like tested slash deprogrammed with Tilk watching over Zach, Jack with a Zack gun at the ready. And then also like the start of the summit and everybody just sort of congregating in the gate room. And Daniel's, you know, I think rightly distracted as, you know, he should be sort of hobnobbing with like all the fancy pants. But, you know, his friends might end up dying in the next hour. So, yeah, yeah. a little stressful for him. And Sam is like heading off to sleep from whatever they gave her to like knock her out, but she's kind of restless and keeps mumbling things about the testing being wrong. And we see some more flashbacks to upgrades about that scene between Jack and Sam. And she's like, we didn't even know we were lying. And so Fraser then runs into the observation room overlooking Jack's testing and yells for Freya to stop. She does. I don't know why Janet didn't just run into the room. I don't know why she ran up to the observation room. That was I don't a know. Maybe it was quicker here. Maybe. Uh, could be. First room um, she came to. Could be. Yeah, maybe. Um, so Sam and Janet then make their way like into the actual room where Jack is and Sam asks everyone to leave and here we go. This is, this is me. Worst scene this, ever. Break this it is, down. Where I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Okay. So Sam's convinced that they're not Zaytarks because they were lying about something. Maybe not consciously, but they were lying about an aspect of their feelings during that situation, which they can't admit to given where they work. And Jack's like, oh, that. Okay. So, all right, let's retest Jack. Quick cut. Hey, the president's here. Awesome. So, but back to testing Jack. So they're going back over that moment when Sam was trapped and it all comes down to their feelings about this situation. Because remember earlier, a person's feelings about an event are also a part of what the machine detects. So Sam is trapped. She's yelling at Jack to go. He won't. So the scene goes like this. Freya asks, what were you feeling? Jack goes like someone who was about to die. And then we see the machine start to give the, this guy is a Zaytark readout. So Sam just goes, sir. And so Jack goes, I didn't leave because I'd have rather died myself than lose Carter. And Freya goes, why? And Jack goes, because I care about her a lot more than I'm supposed to. Since when? Where is this? Why? I don't like, there's supposedly all this build up to this and Jack and Sam like love it. Where, where, please tell me where in the show this is because it's not there. I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't, I don't understand. I do not understand at all. I completely agree with you. It didn't really make sense because no, they haven't, they have not had any sort of, I mean, except for like the, you know, alternate reality nods when they're like married or something, but, but mm-hmm. no, they don't have any sort of, hint or build up or like even tiny little nuance scenes that show there's some or like longing eye contact there's like none of it no there's not and I'm like I will ship anyone in anything really honestly like ask me if you say what about these two most of the time I'm like yeah okay but I just for some reason Jack and Sam I I cannot see it I don't understand it at all yeah but the other thing, too, like, okay, so they love each other. Yay. But that shouldn't be something that he wouldn't be able to admit if you're in a situation where your teammate could 
die and you can't save them and you're feeling all distraught about it because you don't want them to die because you love them. Like, that's the same thing he'd be able to say about Tuke and Daniel. That's my point, too. Like, if it was Daniel trapped behind that wall, the same exact thing would happen. Jack would not leave. Right. Because he loves Daniel. Yes. And he loves Till. He loves them all. They're his team. But apparently he loves Sam in that way. Since, since when? Since when? And it makes weird emotions on the turntable-y thing. Yeah. And, like, I, you know, I listened to the commentary for this, and they're like, oh, yeah, we've been building up to this and building up to this. It's like, no, you haven't. Like, what are you talking about? Like, this was the resolution of three years of bits. Like, no, wait, no, no, it's not. (laughs) No, not really. No, it's not. It's really not. He invited her to go fishing, and she's like, no, I'd rather stay with my science stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I get, you know, the reason he can't admit it is because the whole, you know, not like fraternization regs and stuff that exist in the military, whatever. But, yeah, I I don't, I don't get it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you are a Jack Sam shipper. We are not. (laughs) We don't get it. I don't know. I just... It there are a lot of examples out there of TV shows with, you know, longing love where for whatever reason you can't say it. And the entire time you see it all over that person's face and it is obvious. And mm-hmm. it, there are those little nuanced moments where you just and it breaks your heart and like, yeah, there's just there's nothing. There's not, I'm totally yeah. I'm totally on board with you. OK, thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Otherwise, this podcast might be very short-lived. <laughs> uh, yeah. And okay. it's interesting more in the um, doing this rewatch, too, because I do remember when I was watching it in the beginning, I was just like, oh, it's cute. You know, in that many instances where they tried to get them together. But now having this point of view of, like, actually paying attention, like, no. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's that thing maybe in a hundred days where, you know, Sam was working herself to the bone, trying to get Jack back. And Frasier was like, do I need to be concerned about how hard you're working? She was like, no, it's fine. She'd work that hard if it was Daniel stuck on that planet. Like, yeah, again, like these, these, these four people are a family and like whatever Jack and Sam would do for each other, they would also do for Daniel and Dilk. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All right. Should we move on now? Yeah. Well, okay. So I do have a question then that you may or may not choose to answer um, because of how much you do not like this pairing. So if the big argument is that just there absolutely was no buildup, it was absent, there was nothing. And all of a sudden they're like, they're epic in love. What do you think you would have felt about it if they had actually done a better job of doing a buildup and actually had the little moments and the looks and the, and the maybe scenes, do you think you would have actually been excited about them being a couple or you would have been like, no, I don't. mm -mm." I would have been fine with it. I don't think I would have been like, yay, Jack and Sam is canon. It would have been like, okay, I, I get it. I just, if if we'd had the buildup that the writers insist there is, I would have been fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. Okay. All right. Should we move on now? <laughs> okay. Yes, we're done, Brick. But this is the kind of thing that we would love for, like, all eight of you that actually listen to these. Yes. We would love to hear your thoughts on such things of, yeah. like, are we crazy? 
Do you agree? What are your thoughts? Let us know. Yeah. If there are Jack and Sam moments, we just don't get what, like, what are they? Please, please. If, if they're there in, in the past three seasons, please enlighten us. Let us know what they are because we apparently just miss them. <laughs> and we're usually really good at yeah. <laughs> me, especially any sort of like girly longing looks or oh, things. Yeah. I'm all like, Oh my God, it's so cute. It's so and I just, you know, turn into a puddle of mush. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they apparently also retest Sam and we just get the very end of that where also she is not a Zaytark, which is, is nice that we didn't have to go through it like again. So just Jack and Sam we were, aren't Zaytarks. We were spared. Great. Yes, we were yeah. spared. So same thing. Okay, so they're not Zaytarks. So everybody comes back into the room. And so in the room, we only have Freya, Sam, Jack, and then up, up in the observation room are Tilk and Dr. Fraser because I guess everybody else is at the summit. So Sam's like, you know, this whole thing doesn't have to leave this room except Janet. Janet was there and saw this. So now she's got a whole moral dilemma of do I tell the general that there's this possible fraternization regulation breaking happening? Because apparently fraternization regs are even if you just have feelings like Jack and Sam have feelings, you cannot be in a command over person because you might treat them differently and treat the other team members differently because you have feelings for this person, even if you don't actually act on them. If just the feelings are there can't be in the same chain of command so now like janet's what like you're gonna make janet keep your secret now that's not fair to her no but so it's fine apparently nobody else has to know so as fraser says they're not zaytarks so they're not a threat and jack's like great i'd love to go talk to the president i got some questions for him and then he's like hey freya were you ever tested? And she's like, no, I was never in any situation where such a thing would be possible. And then Sam's like, what about Martouf? It's like, oh, fuck. No, Martouf, no. They should have just ended the episode. <laughs> I know. Can we end the episode? Cut that scene. End the episode. Yes, Everything please. went fine. Yes. So uh, back to the gate room. And uh, Daniel's talking with the high counselor. And Martouf is sort of on the other side of the room. And an airman comes in and whispers something to Daniel, who then walks over and is like, hey, Martouf, can I see you out in the hall? Um, but then the president comes in and we see Martouf like has slipped that gold weapon thing on his hand. There's the president and shit hits the fan. Uh, Martouf like knocks Daniel out of the way, takes aim at counselor Persis. Daniel yells bodyguards rush to protect everyone. Jack arrives, shoots Martouf in the leg who turns and shoots back. The secret service guards start firing at Martouf and he's just like riddled with bullets. Tilk walks in and zaps Martouf, who kind of like falls to his knee, but he's not knocked unconscious. So there seems to be something else in the Zaytark programming that kind of affects the physiology of a person because you should be unconscious after a single zap blast. Um, Sam enters with her zap raised, yells at everyone to hold their fire. Martouf pleads with Samantha as he starts going to sort of activate that self-destruct button like Major Graham did. So she zaps him again And she runs over as he dies and catches him, grabbing the weapon and holding it clear. R.I.P. Martus. One kind of interesting little thing that came up in the commentary. uh, So Martin Wood, who directed this, has apparently directed J.R. Bourne, who he plays Martus, in um, three separate shows. And in every show, Martin Wood has been responsible for killing J.R. Bourne. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I like every, every time Jared goes on a show and sees Martin, he's like, God damn it. I don't want to die. <laughs> I'm going to die, aren't I? I'm going to die. Damn it. No. Um, so yeah. So Hammond enters and everyone, save for Martouf, are fine. He also lets Persis and us know that the man who came in as a president was not actually the president. The actual president is still on Air Force One waiting for the all clear. And luckily Persis gets it. The whole sort of ruse that had to be done here. And Freya then speaks up uh, to Sam, who's like crying as she like cradles Martouf's lifeless body and says, I promise you his death will ultimately prove to be a noble sacrifice. The end. Because we still have his head. We, we still have his symbiote. Which that comes back. Um, so this is also the end of Anise slash Freya. We never see her again. She's just gone after this. <laughs> I mean, I totally get it after this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we may, I don't know if I mentioned this. I can't remember if I mentioned this like in, in the first episode with like Freya slash Anise. But so why this character was added to the show is that there was an executive at Showtime who saw like what was happening with seven of nine on Star Trek and was like, we need a sexy alien too. So the teenage boys will also watch our show. But then like the Stargate fandom was like, no, thank you. <laughs> so <laughs> bye. That's funny. Yeah. Um, but uh, to his credit, when we get to the episode wormhole extreme, that executive appears and basically makes fun of his uh, fun of himself in that I by like, good. by like proposing, Hey, maybe the show needs a sexy female alien. <laughs> What is Wormhole Extreme? What season is that? That's the 100th episode, so that'll be next season, season five. Okay. We'll have to do something special for that. They do two of them, right? They do. do Then for 200, they do another. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Wormhole Extreme. Mm -hmm. That's going to be fun when we get there. But that's not why we're here now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay, so as far as what this episode did to the fandom, as, as you may have figured out from our discussion, this was the start of the giant rift between the shippers and the anti-shippers. Because, again, the people who ship Jack and Sam were like, Jack and Sam is canon! It's Grizzler! Yay! Us! And all the anti-shippers like us were like, no, stop! It's gross! I don't want it! And, unfortunately, sometimes people in fandom, especially, like, the loudest voices are often, like, the worst voices. And, like, I wasn't watching this show when this episode aired originally but even like on reruns when you go on message boards there still would be like you know fighting oh, man. and Cat stuff yeah fans yeah. can be vicious they can be like mm. i don't ship jack and sam so i just ignore it and get on with my life i'm not gonna fight people who do ship it if you do good for you people ship all sorts of things i don't care it doesn't affect my life but yeah yeah, this episode was is, was not great for the fandom, unfortunately. So, uh, just in terms of creating a, a complete divide. Yeah. Mhm. Yep. Yep. Kind of same. Oh man. So yep. it's the it's the whole team Edward, team Jacob. I guess I've I've never well, seen Twilight. No. So. That's not. Yeah, I guess that's not really it because they're still all fans of Twilight. True. Well, I mean, we're all still fans of Stargate. Well, I don't know. Do you think this actually like turned anybody off from the show? The non-shippers that were just like, ugh, no. I, Why? I, Why does there need to be romance inside that? 
I don't know. I never really delved too much into that side of things because like you'd stumble across and be like, okay, I'm going to nope out of that conversation. So, um, because I like my fandom to be a happy space. So I just ignore all the stuff that makes me sad because you can do that in fandom. You can ignore stuff that doesn't make you happy. Just FYI, in case people out there haven't learned that yet. Fans are, fans are just nuts, right? Like who sits around and just talks about sci-fi for, hours on end that's just it's just <laughs> weird <laughs> people are crazy who does a three-hour podcast about the 38 minute episode of tv that's, that's not, <laughs> it's not a thing oh my god just, people are nutty yeah no <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so okay so this episode's done what memos do you have for us so we uh, no more experimental telcra technology this is second, third time, second, third, something. Yes. Too many. Too many. No okay. more experimental Tokra technology without full knowledge of what it does, what it's supposed to do, how it works. Okay. No. Sounds good. Um, so the episode title, Divide and Conquer. I think that's supposed to be sort of what the Gould are trying to do with like the Earth and Tokra, with this whole Zaytark thing, like divide, conquer. We split them up or like get them infighting with each other. Because obviously, because obviously the goal was to make Earth think the Tok'ra, or well, it initially started with trying to make the Tok'ra think Earth was killing them, and then also vice versa, you know, divide, conquer. And then if they're fighting amongst themselves, then the Gould can come in and fight too, and take mm-hmm. them both out. You know, I saw an interesting thing um, that somebody made the comment of, like, divide and conquer is oftentimes misused for how it was supposed to be the purpose, because usually, like, if it if I were to say to you, hey, let's divide and conquer, you go look over there and I'll look over there. Like that's not supposed to be the actual thing. It's supposed to be, yeah. you know, divide and conquer the enemy. Yes. Not yourselves. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. huh, I never really thought about that. But that is mm-hmm. totally right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thought I would throw that out there. Um, as far as foreign territory titles go, uh, basically everybody except German was also divide and conquer, but German called this summit. Which, again, another episode when we actually get to the Season 5 episode, Summit. I'll have to make notes and see what German ended up calling it. Like Spanish did with Fair Game. They called Fair Game Summit. So now I gotta know what German and Spanish call Summit when we get there. Because that's the kind of nerd I am. We should do some sort of Summit, Summit, Summit fest. Watch all the episodes that are Summit. (laughs) (laughs) That could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, before we wrap up for good this week, uh, we have an email from Michelle about small victories and the other side. So, Ooh. again, thank you for feedback. Please continue to send it in. Uh, it says, hi, guys. I loved your coverage of both episodes, especially the discussion of the CGI versus puppet Thor. I did not know that the submarine was a real submarine. In retrospect, I should have seen that given the shots we get and the look of the show in the confined space. At the risk of sounding nitpicky, that's why we're here, to get nitpicky, so please don't. We, we love nitpicky stuff. That's why we're here. I would like to point out that one of my biggest pet peeves is people referring to all service members, all service members of any branch as soldiers. Maybe it's my experience of branch pride I saw in the Air Force Junior Reserved Officers Training Camp, Training Corps, or just the autistic English major in me that likes to call things by proper terms. But if they're on a submarine, they are sailors. It's a mistake a lot of people make. And I realize it's not a huge deal in the grand scheme of things. I just couldn't help myself. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Oh, I'm totally on board with that. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. 
As for the other side, I am by no means an authority on this, but I took a class specifically on the UN, and one of the things we covered at great length is what we, the United States, would do if a country were to ask for help. The way I understand it, if a country were to ask us for help and they are not at war with one of our enemies, the State Department would make any decisions regarding it unless the country, or the State Department wouldn't make any decisions regarding it unless the country was a member of the UN. The military would have some say in the matter, specifically the Joint Chiefs of Staff, but they, the military, would only get final say if the request for help had a direct impact on force readiness or safety. I could easily be wrong about any of this. As for why the Air Force and powers that be hadn't discussed a protocol for if Earth was asked for help, I think it has to do with the humans of Earth being too arrogant to think another planet would figure out the gate system. That, or like in the real world, they didn't give enough thought into what could happen if something would happen. Thanks for the great podcast, Michelle. Well, you're welcome, and thanks for writing in. Yay! Yeah, that's very good info about, yeah, like the UN, like, when that, like, I'd had that thought while I was doing my research, but I wasn't sure, like, what to, like, Google for research to (laughs) figure that out, like, what are (laughs) protocols for when countries ask for help? Like, yeah, was that a UN thing or a State Department thing? Um, What sort of government list do you end up on for, like, these things? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like, I don't know how many live with, with all like the sort of missiles and rockets and plane stuff I've looked up. I'm My FBI handler must be very entertained. Hi, Steve. No, I don't know. <laughs> um, but thanks for writing in. That's very interesting information. Please keep it coming. And if you have any more picky stuff, please let us know because we love, love it. Nitpicky stuff. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again, Michelle. Um, so final thoughts. Do we need final thoughts or can we just say it's done? <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's let's end it here and never speak okay. of it again. Okay, good with me. Um, well, if, if you actually made it through this episode, after all our ramblings about how terrible this episode is, thank you very much for staying tuned. You can find us on Twitter at SG underscore Rewatch or send us an email at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G Rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for... Window of opportunity! Yay! Okay, bye.